If you are pregnant or you've recently had a baby, this podcast is for you. I am your host, Kath Bequee, a physiotherapist working in women's health and mum of three. Join me each week as we dive into all things pregnancy care, childbirth and postnatal recovery, helping you have a wonderful pregnancy and afterbirth experience. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Well, hello there. It is lovely to have you join us this week for another birth story, which is part of the Spilling the Milk series in this podcast. So if you do like birth stories, be sure to catch up on all of them. If you keep scrolling back every four, five, six episodes or so, there is another Spilling the Milk episode with a different mum, an everyday mum just like you. So if we haven't met before, my name is Catherine Bequee. I'm a mum of three young girls, a physiotherapist for women, and I have an online community fitness mama, which helps to provide pregnant and new mothers with the exercises, support and resources they need to feel good from the inside out as they prepare for and recover from childbirth. Fitness Mama has workouts that are tired mum friendly, achy mum friendly and toddler friendly that you can do in the convenience of your home at the end of a long day whilst your bubba sleeps or whilst your toddler is running around causing havoc. So I have the pleasure of chatting to Karina today as part of the Spilling the Milk series of birth stories. Karina is a mum of two. She's our first VBAC birth story. So that's a vaginal birth after cesarean. And she is the owner of the Milk Society, which is a premium breastfeeding clothing store. And she's also a member of Fitness Mama, so one of our gorgeous mums inside the membership. In this episode today, Karina discusses her journey to becoming pregnant with her little girl, Charlotte. And she includes some information about how they tried to conceive for a girl this second time round. She shares her experience with a VBAC prolapse after birth and her recovery. Karina's story is honest, raw and insightful and towards the end she has some great words of wisdom for pregnant and new mums. Right, let's dive into this episode with the lovely Karina. Hi, Karina. Thank you so much for joining us on the Fitness Mama podcast. We have just been prattling away for nearly 45 minutes off air and I suddenly thought, oh my gosh, we need to hit record. So thank you for joining us. Can you please introduce yourself to everyone listening and let us know a little bit about you and who you are? Thanks, Kath. I'm Karina. I am the owner of the Milk Society. I gave birth six months today, actually. I have a little girl. She is my second, Charlotte. We call her Coco because my son is two and a half. And I wanted to nickname her something that he can say too. So yeah, the whole family can now say her name, which is really cute. Oh, gorgeous. Did you know you'd be doing that when you named her Charlotte? Nicknaming her Coco? No. We had two names. We had Amelia or Charlotte and it took us a few days after giving birth to really know which one to pick. I wasn't sold on Charlotte, but everyone was telling me, go for the Charlotte. She looks like a Charlotte. So I was like, fine. (laughs) And now she really suits the name. So 
Yeah. Isn't naming a baby is just such a weird thing, isn't it? Because it's such a big responsibility and you don't know this little person. So did you know you were having a girl? Yes. We tried for a girl this time around. So it was quite interesting, actually. I read all of the ways of trying to identify, you know, go for certain genders. And I made sure that when we were trying to conceive, I was doing it a few more days earlier when I was ovulating to then try for a girl. So because we weren't in a rush to get pregnant, I was happy to kind of trial and error it. So I think the first month we tried maybe six days out of ovulation and I was happy to have a boy regardless. Like I love boys. I feel like I'm more of a boy mom anyway, but we did it <laughs> six six days before and it like nothing happened. So then the second month that we tried, I did it four days before and pregnant. So yeah, it was a very easy road for us. Between children, I had an IUD. So um, I had that taken out a few months before. And so I, I waited for one cycle to find out when I'm ovulating. And lo and behold, my ovulation date had completely changed between kids too. Wow, there's so much to dive into there. So for those who are listening, the lovely Karina is a mum inside fitness mama and she's also got this amazing breastfeeding clothing range. Did I just say that right? <laughs> she's got a beautiful clothing range for breastfeeding mums and I just I had to get her on the podcast to hear your birth story, Karina, but I ha- I don't actually know anything about it. So can we dive into a few more things there? Because that's really interesting. So you had your first, did you do anything in terms of trying for a certain gender for Theodore, your two and a half year old? No, no, we didn't. So we were just trying. So I used LH sticks and I used them on both pregnancies or conceiving journeys. I use LH sticks. So what they do is pretty much it looks like a pregnancy stick. And if you get two lines, really like dark lines, then you're ovulating. If it's a very faint line, then you're not ovulating. So it measures the LH levels in your body to then take the next steps, I guess. Apart from trying a few days earlier than ovulation, did were there any other things you tried differently with Charlotte? No, I made sure that my stress level levels were down and I was very fit too. So that was one of the bigger things that I did this time round was made sure, or like I was very fit when I conceived Theodore, but with Charlotte, I was just really keen on making sure I was stress-free and really fit too so that my body could handle it. And so I did a lot of mind work around that too. So I made sure that like I wasn't, you know, waking up every day, like being, you know, overwhelmed of what I needed to do that day. And, you know, I made sure that I looked after myself instead of everyone else because you need to look after yourself first and then percent and as a busy mum of one and a business owner I'm sure that is so important yeah yeah that's right so we're going to chat mostly about Charlotte today 
you became pregnant quite easily with Charlotte. How was your pregnancy journey? Oh, it was rocky this time around. It was the morning sickness. Like I just felt sick, like hungover almost for my entire trimester. So I was pretty lucky that I didn't really get too nauseous and throat like vomity. But my in my second trimester, when things started to clear up, I got bronchitis and that stuck around for the rest of my pregnancy. I couldn't shake it. I wasn't put on antibiotics. I went to the GP numerous times and they said, just, you know, like rest and it will go away eventually. But because of that, I started to get incontinent towards the end of the day, particularly because of the coughing was just nonstop. And then towards the end of the day, as Charlotte grew in my belly, it added a lot more pressure. So I just made sure that I was making sure that like I did everything that I could. So that's particularly when fitness came in uh, to play a lot for me because I wanted to focus on my pelvic floor. I wanted to make sure that I was doing what I could pre-labor to make sure that I didn't have any issues on the other end. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to know. I remember you joining when you joined Fitness Mama and you got bronchitis soon afterwards. And so there was a bit of a gap for you. You didn't attend some of the live sessions. And then I remember you coming back and mentioning you had that issue. So we were diving into a lot of like pelvic we talked about horizontal rest, so taking the weight off that area because you're absolutely right. The growing weight of your baby plus the coughing can put so much extra pressure on the pelvic floor. And, oh, there's quite a few strategies you can do to help. But talk me through, like, how did you prepare for birth? Was it any different second time round as well? This episode is proudly brought to you by Solidea, providing all of your pregnancy and recovery support needs. Solidea's maternity range supports your changing body throughout your pregnancy and the postpartum period. The proven compression and patented fabric helps to reduce back and pelvic joint pain, swelling and varicose veins, and it's safe and effective following vaginal and caesarean section deliveries. Solidea improves recovery from episiotomies, tears, hematomas, and after caesarean births. Made in Italy, Solidea's maternity range ensures pregnant women and new mums look good and feel great. Recommended by obstetricians and physiotherapists, Solidea is offering 20% off using the code FITNEST20, that's F-I-T-N-E-S-T-20. So if you're in the market for some new support wear for pregnancy or postpartum, definitely go and check them out with the code FITNESS20 for 20% off. So visit www.solidea, that's S-O-L-I-D-E-A.com.au and check them out for yourself. And the link is in the show notes. Uh, short answer is yes. So I made sure that, like as mentioned before, I made sure that I was in like a really good fitness level. So with Theo, I actually started to, 
I like I was pretty fit and then but throughout the pregnancy I just got tired a lot and I didn't want to work out and I ended up just not you know doing anything um, particularly probably the second half of the pregnancy and I really felt that when I was giving birth so this time round, I really made an intention to to keep active. So I'm a power. I actually do powerlifting. Normally, when I was pregnant, I still did powerlifting up until 22 weeks pregnant. I remember going for a run at 22 weeks with a big belly, being my second. It really hurt. Like I, I get, I got a very like big pain around my pelvis after I stopped running and that was like I took that as a sign to say okay I think it's time to start doing a little bit more low impact exercises and that's really when I got into fitness more because I wanted to do low impact but also work on my entire body, which you do cover. So, and that's what I loved about it. Uh, so something that was an issue for me with my first labor was my son didn't come through. Like I had a, an emergency C-section um, due to the fact that he didn't get past the spines. And I didn't want that to happen this time around. I was going for a V-back. So I did a lot of opening pelvis uh, exercises, particularly from spinning babies as well. I took some exercises off them. And then also I journaled a lot more this time around too mentally because I knew what was going to happen. And, you know, once you go through it, you know, it kind of sticks in there. So I wanted to make sure that I was prepared I was relaxed for birth. I had a plan. I kind of knew what I liked and what I didn't like. And I did, I made a list of things that I did like and didn't like from my first birth so that I could better prepare this time around. One of the biggest things, and it seems so small right now, but in at the time and when you're going through it, it's kind of like the last thing you want to hear my husband has a tendency to like not know what to say in the moment. So he was just repeating everything that the midwife was saying. And it really bothered me. Like he was saying, like, you're safe. And I'm like, I know I'm safe. Like, I'm good. I've got this. Like, you know, I need motivational words. So this time around, I sent him some affirmations that I wanted him to say. I knew what I wanted to say, so I wanted to kind of have him reiterate what I was going through. So he's a weightlifter. He's a national weightlifter, so he gets competitions and things like that. So I said, can you pretend that I'm doing a competition and that you're, you know, cheering me on? You're saying you've got this, you know, you're strong. And he's like, oh, okay, I can do that. Yeah, this time round, it was so much better in that sense. Like I felt more supported from that instead of like pushing him away. I was pulling him closer. I was, you know, in the strong mindset on my first, like absolutely no drugs whatsoever. I wanted to do it completely natural, 
which didn't happen. I ended up having to get an epidural and then going into a C- an emergency C. So this time round, I was more open to anything. So pretty much as soon as I got to the hospital, I was like, can I have an epi? <laughs> and they go, no, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Let's rewind a bit, Karina. I'm going to pull you back because I want to dive into a few things. So set with Charlotte, second time around, how did you know you were in labour? Like at what stage? Yeah, can you talk me through? So I was due on the Monday. So she was born 36 plus four. So she was a little early. My son was at 40 plus three. So he was a little later. I started feeling like cramps and... I actually woke up from them on the Thursday. So I was due on the Monday. This was the Thursday before. Uh, So I started getting cramps and I actually woke up from cramps and I was like, ooh, what's happening here? Like something's happening. I just don't know what. These kind of cramps I experienced with Theo, but I experienced them for days, like four days. Whereas with hers, they came and went and I got on with the day. And it was a very, a very busy day in the business for me. I was launching some jumpers that, and I my plan was to launch all the jumpers before giving birth. That was my goal. So I had a lot of content that I had to create. I had to get, you know, photos done for the day. So it kept me busy. So what did your day look like on that day when you had the cramping? So you woke up, you had cramping, you had your brekkie, like how much was the cramping impacting you? It kind of felt like period pain. I don't really experience period pain a lot, but I have had it a couple of times and it felt like that. Like it just felt like like there was not external, internal pains. So I knew something Like something was happening, it wasn't enough for me to get to, you know, going to like the hospital or calling my midwife like I was comfortable. It was more that, you know, things were starting and I just knew because I had experienced it before. So were you taking photos of your new jumpers? Were you actually taking the photos? Because I know that that can be quite... Well, I hear that that's quite physically demanding, right? Yes. So I, at that time, like I go through phases in my business. Um, Most of the time I get a photographer to take photos, particularly lifestyle photos, and then with the product photos I just take them. But this time because it was so close and I just wanted to get them out and do it, I just was trying to do everything myself. So. Yeah, I woke up, I had cramps and then had breakfast, sent my son to daycare for the day, came home, started, you know, like doing my makeup, ironing all the jumpers that I wanted to wear that day, like making sure that I had like a plan in place for that day. So I took the photos around lunchtime. I edited them in the afternoon. I put them up on the site at night. I do the majority of my work at night time on the business so because it's quiet and, yeah, so I did that, went to bed, all fine, woke up again at 2.30 that morning and I had cramping again and I'm like, okay, day two, 
here we go. It just wouldn't stop. It was enough to wake me up and keep me up from 2.30. So I took some Panadol in the morning. I went and got my nails done. I think I remember putting a story up being like, I'm getting my nails done. And I actually think that today's the day. Like I, I just have this feeling. So yeah, I, because there was a long list, like before I, like whenever I have a child, I try and get my hair done. I get, you know, my eyebrows waxed. Like I just try and get everything done so that when baby comes, I don't need to go to all these appointments. And um, yeah, so I went and got my nails done and uh, then uh, I came home and I remember it was like midday. My husband usually gets home from work at about 2.30 on a Friday and I called him and I said, I actually think you need to come home earlier than 2.30 because my son was at daycare at at the time and we needed to kind of plan around him like what were what were we going to do with him so I called my parents and they uh were going to take him anyway so uh I said like something's going on I don't know what but just be on call (laughs) so don't do anything like don't commit to anything in the next 24 hours so they were like okay like we're here they live an hour away, so it is, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not too far away, but when you're in labour, it's a pretty f- fair distance, uh, but it's they live halfway, so it's 30 minutes to the hospital and um, 30 minutes or 45 minutes to the hospital from us. Like, so they ended up going, like, moving into contractions, so they started to get more frequent for longer. Um, and at around three o'clock, I called the hospital and I said, okay, I'm coming in for a VBAC. Um, my contractions at the time, they were five minutes apart and lasting about 45 seconds. So normally you want to see them going for like 60 seconds. So I just wanted to kind of, you know, put it out there that something's happening can they, you know, give me any more advice? They said, yep, come in, we'll check you. Um, because it's a VBAC, we want to make sure that everything's, you know, fine. Don't rush, just, you know, make your way. So at the time, um, Matt, my husband, was training weightlifting. So I waited for him to finish. And then I said, okay, I'm going to go like finish, you know, just getting my toothbrush and toothpaste and everything um, and, you know, pack my bags and we'll go and pick up Theo on the way to the hospital and meet my parents at the hospital. So I planned all that just, um, yeah, within like another hour. And because it's a Friday, I forgot that we were going to be stuck in traffic so luckily we were not in a rush. So we ended up getting to the hospital at about five. We probably left here at about maybe four. So it took a little bit longer. But I do remember being in the car being like, oh, this is like it's getting intense. Like can we, you know, kind of speed up a little bit? 
Uh, and yeah, so we got there at about five. My parents, like, so I just went in by myself. Matt met my parents with Theo um, and did the exchange. And then he came in a little bit later. I got uh, checked at about 5.30, quarter to six, and was one centimetre dilated uh, from all of that. <laughs> so they did a stretch and sweep. To move things on, they asked me if I wanted a stretch and sweep. I said yes. I was completely opposed to it. Uh, but they said, you're not leaving the hospital until you give, this, give birth. Went when allowed to to let you go because it is a V back and um, you know you're very close. Like you know you are you will like you will be you're on early early stages of labour. So you're best just to stay here. And I didn't want to stay. I I was strongly opposed to it. And they said, well, would you like us to do a stretch and sweep? And I said, oh. It prolonged birth for me last time. Um, like it felt like that anyway. They did a couple stretch and sweeps uh, with Theo. So I, I just didn't like it last time. But because of the circumstances, I said yes. So I had one. I was put in the maternity ward in my own room and um, uh, Matt left at about 7. I told him, go home. Nothing's happening tonight maybe tomorrow, like come early in the morning. Hopefully things have progressed. I'll just, you know, sleep tonight, take a few Panadol, go to bed. <laughs> and, yeah, then at about 7.15, my waters broke. He just left the hospital. I called him. He was at McDonald's down the road. <laughs> I said, you need to come back. My waters just broke something's going on like like it's going to it's going to happen tonight um so he came back uh they checked me I was at four centimeters dilated they said great you're coming back to the birthing suite uh to get back into the birthing suite you have to be three centimeters dilated as a minimum so I was four centimeters so they moved me at quarter to eight I had some big contractions. How are you feeling at this stage like within you? Because having a VBAC, like what was happening with your thoughts and those sorts of things? I was scared. I was so scared. I knew what to expect because I got to 10 centimetres dilated with Theo and then he just wasn't coming out. Like I was pushing for an hour and he just wasn't coming out. So then we went for an emergency C. So this time I just... I didn't want to go through that. Like, I think it was also like fight or flight. I remember crying because I wanted to go home and they were like, no, you're not going home. They're like, you need to either sign out to say that you're going against medical advice. And I was just screaming then. I was like, just give me an epidural. Get, can I have an epidural? They're like, uh, yet when we get to the birthing suite, you can have an epidural. Why do you think you felt so strongly about going home? I think I was in transition at the time. I really wanted, so both births, I really wanted to do a lot of the labouring at home and not in the hospital. 
And that's just because I, I felt more like I feel more comfortable at home. And I know that being relaxed brings on labor. I read a book. It was a phenomenal book to read. It's all about natural births. And I read that, you know, the, the more relaxed you are, almost, you know, like hypnobirthing, um, you know, it then gives your body the best opportunity to then do what it needs to do. So I just wanted to go home. But then by them telling me that I can't go home, I just like felt really restricted. And yeah, in my head, I was like, what? No, like I just want to go home. Like I, I even just want to go into the car. Like I don't want to be here. By the time that I got to the birth suite, I did a couple of contractions on my fitness ball. And this time around during birth, I wanted to make sure that I kept upright for as long as possible to use gravity to my advantage. And during the time that I was bouncing on the ball to opening up my pelvic, uh, my pelvis, uh, I was like, I think I need to push. Like I have this strong urge to push. So they said, get up onto the bed. So this was at a quarter past eight at night. So my waters broke at 7.15. I moved into the birthing suite at quarter to, to eight. At quarter past eight, they checked me. I was eight centimetres dilated and they were getting prepared for an epidural. So they were like, yep, 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 we'll give you an epidural. And then they checked me and they're like, you're at eight centimetres. No, no, it's too late for an epidural now. <laughs> and half an hour <laughs> earlier, had they said no epidural? Half an hour earlier, I was transitioning into the birth suite. So they were just getting prepared. They're like, yeah, well, we'll need to order it. And, you know, it'll take some time. You know, as long as I can get my epidural, that's fine. You know, I was, you know, I, I wasn't prepared for the pain this time around because the labor with my son was, you know, 16 hours. It was a huge, it was a long time in labor, whereas this time, very short, very sharp, very fast. And I sat on the bed, they checked me eight centimeters and they're like, we'll just stretch you to 10. So they stretched me to 10 centimeters and they're like, okay, you're ready to push. I pushed for 40 minutes and Charlotte came out at 9.02. It was just crazy. They said that that was a very fast delivery and very fast labour. How was your body feeling when they said it's time to push? Did you have the urge to push? Yeah. So one thing that I made sure I did this time round was I waited for the big contractions to push. You know, you do, you get a, like a big one and then you get a couple of small ones. So I was waiting for the big ones to then just go, you know, really bear down and push. And something that really helped also was the spaghetti. When you're breathing, you need to envision a spaghetti going between your nose and coming in and out of your nostrils. So you breathe in and you pull a spaghetti one strand of the spaghetti up your nose and then you breathe out and that other side comes out. 
We have a few different varieties of pregnancy classes in Fitness Mama. We've got some that are more cardio based, some that are more, we've got yoga classes, we've got Pilates classes, but we also have a group that are childbirth preparation classes. And in that we practice a few strategies that you might find helpful during labor. Like we don't know during labor what strategy you're going to find helpful. So that's why we go through a lot of different techniques to see what resonates with you because what resonates with one person might not resonate with the next person and you might think it resonates or you might think it doesn't resonate but then when you're in the midst of labor suddenly you realize that technique is good so what Karina is talking about we often do a 60 second squat which is about this um, length of a contraction obviously contractions vary in length but we practice our breathing technique when we're in this squat, because we can't mimic an uncomfortable contraction, but we can mimic an uncomfortable squat. So we're getting ourselves into a position of discomfort and then we're practicing this technique. So Karina was talking about breathing in a piece of spaghetti through one nostril and then breathing it out through the other nostril. And I love the visualization aspect. It involves the breathing, it involves, you can even sometimes imagine how it feels. So it's using all the different senses of your body. So that's great to know. Did you use that technique for the actual pushing or in between the pushing? So in between the pushing, I used it um, so that I could breathe, breathe through those smaller contractions and then wait to the bigger contractions to then push. I think that by doing that, you know, obviously with that big push, you're, you're pushing the baby out more, but because her, like her head kept on going in and out. So the ring of fire was when the baby's head's, you know, at the crest, she just kept on coming in and out. And so she wasn't just, it wasn't this one big push and she was out. It was, you know, a couple of pushes and, I just, I think I screamed, just get her out of me <laughs> at the time. It was actually really interesting. Um, and they did tell me to just wait because it was so such a very fast uh, labour when she was there, uh, right at the, like right at the crest there, the midwife, she was like, just stop, don't do anything. We need to make sure that we do it slowly, like real slow, because we don't want her to just shoot out. Uh, otherwise, we'll tear a lot. So we're going to really do it very slowly and then hopefully you'll be fine. So I was like, okay. And so she came out and that was, I think, one of the hardest parts of it all because you really want to push. You know she's there. You're going to see your baby in a, literally a few seconds and they're telling you don't push. So they're saying push, 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 don't push now. And for me, I was like, but I've got this big urge, I need to. And they're like, stop, no. By doing that, I didn't tear at all. So that was really fortunate. And I just needed a couple of stitches on either side and internally and yeah I was fine. You mentioned earlier that you were feeling scared how were you feeling I had how was your headspace during the pushing phase had it changed? Yeah it was almost desperation 
it was it was more like I just need to get her out now. I need to really just do my do my best to try and push her out. Last time I couldn't push like they, you know, I was pushing and nothing was happening. And I I think that probably was a factor this time around because I knew that that had happened to me before and I didn't want to go through that again. I didn't want to put in all that effort for nothing. Well, not nothing, but, you know, it just it wasn't the way that I kind of pictured it. So this time round, I wanted it to be more, I don't know, like more smooth, I yeah. guess. And I know that Theo's now over two, but did the pushing feel different this time round compared to with Theo and how? Yeah, so I just, well, she was more engaged this time. You know, she was down, she was there, at, you know, whereas Theo was up higher. Like I felt like more of a need to push, whereas before I felt like it was a forcing and I didn't really know what muscles to contract and, you know, when people say just push it out like a big poo, I tried and nothing happened. And so, yeah, I just felt like really deflated from that. Um, so this time around, uh, I definitely felt more engaged. I felt her and I felt by doing like more pelvic floor too this time around, I felt her, like literally her there to push. She came out after 40 minutes or 45 minutes of pushing. How are those next few minutes, that next hour? I just jumped on the NOS, to be honest. I was happy that she was here. Like I was obviously cuddling her and we were doing skin on skin. But I, you know, did the, I, I birthed the placenta and that was when they push on your stomach, that's as bad as the ring of fire, really. Like it's. They didn't really set me up for that. A small portion of it, but when they push on your stomach to make sure that they've, you know, the placenta's all there and that you're going to pass that, that's, yeah, it's very different. When I gave birth um, to the placenta, the midwife was saying that um, it was the most beautiful placenta that she's ever seen. <laughs> it looked like a flower. She said, like, oh, do you want to see it? And I said, no. <laughs> and now I regret it. I really wish that I'd like at least took a photo of it or something so I could see it later. Um, but in the moment, I think I was kind of in shock that I had a baby in my arms already. Like it was just such a fast journey and experience. I was set out, like in my mind, I was prepared to be in labor for a good 24 hours this time around, you know, like I wasn't prepared for it to be just a couple of hours long. So yeah, I think I was just more in shock than anything. And I got to cut her umbilical cord. Um, I asked Matt and Matt said, no, I did Theo, so you can do this one. So that was quite nice. Oh, lovely. Okay, so how has your recovery been, Karina? Oh, it's been very different this time around. So I have a stage two prolapse and I also, for some reason, I went to a woman's health specialist um, at six weeks postpartum 
and I didn't have any incontinence after giving birth at all or anything like that, but I did felt feel really weak. And the reason why I felt that was because when I picked up Theo, I know you're not supposed to pick up things over five kilo <laughs> or four kilo. It's so hard with a toddler, isn't it? It is. And when he demands to be, you know, picked up and like taken downstairs, I did that quite a bit, but I just felt different down there. So I knew something was up. So I went to the women's health specialist and they said that I have a stage two prolapse. I have a very, very weak pelvic floor. We did a lot of um, pelvic floor exercises. I did that for about a month. Just I, I set some timers and I made sure that I did that three times a day religiously. I went back in four weeks and they said that it's just not getting strong at all. Um, there's no difference that they could tell. So I've been given a pessary. That was actually like I still have it and it's been phenomenal. So it's like a skinny donut that you can squeeze. It's made of silicon and like it's bendable. That's right, yeah. And so you squeeze it and then you insert it and then you let go of it and it holds everything up. And the reason why I was given that initially was because I wanted to start training again and I felt like I couldn't even jog after, like run after my toddler. Like it, it was really quite bad um, in that sense. I just, I, I felt like I needed to wee. Like I wasn't incontinent, but I did need to, you know, I had the urge to wee. And I really just, I wanted to kind of get back into getting strong again um, for the sake of everyone. Like I found that for me, I need to train for my mental health and I enjoy being strong so that I can pick up things like both of my kids at the same time. And people are still amazed that I can still do that. <laughs> Pessaries can be like amazing for some women. And if you're wondering what it is and how to, what to do about it, um, go and see your women's health physio or see obstetrician like gynecologist if they fit pessaries not all women's health physios do fit pessaries but what they'll do is size you up and because there's different sizes of pessaries depending on your anatomy so sometimes it, it's a bit of a trial and error like you need to trial a couple of different sizes to see what fits just like you'd trial some different clothes sizes to see what fit um, and they can make a huge world of difference if you do have prolapse symptoms and those sorts of things so that's great yeah and then also because my pelvic floor isn't where it should be, uh, I was actually given a perifit or something similar to a perifit. So it's like a TENS machine for your vagina. So is that the one that offers the stimulation or is it more the biofeedback where you squeeze and it gives you feed and it tells you how you're going? It's both. So it, mine came with a little stick that you put on the top of it so when you insert it and then you do, when it's not on or when it is on, I guess, too, you can do your pelvic floor and it will move, the bar will move. And my women's health specialist gave me that because she identified that I have nerve damage on one side uh, of my pelvis. So, and that is the reason why I have a very weak pelvic floor. I think that I'm doing it 
but I'm actually not. Like the muscle and the my neurons aren't like joining. So by doing that, by giving me that, I was able to identify when it's actually working and when it's not. Yeah, brilliant. And so sometimes like when you talk about nerve damage, just for those listening, just like the muscles can get stretched, the nerves nerves can get and the connective tissues can also get stretched. And sometimes they do take time to heal. Sometimes they need a bit of assistance. So that's great that you're on top of it and doing the rehab. It's amazing, Karina. Yeah. So other than that, my postpartum has been great. We're breastfeeding, no issues there. Yeah, I'm getting really fit now. So I'm six months postpartum. I started training at eight weeks postpartum. I started with fitness um, and started to get back into it that way. And then I started to move on to weight training and, well, not weight training, but body, body weight training and then progressively started doing that. I then also did um, the Couch to 5K, which is like an eight-week integration to doing a 5K run. So for your postnatal rehab, I think it sounds like you've done such a great variety of exercises. You've looked after your pelvic floor and core with fitness, mama. You've been doing your strength training. You've been gradually building up your endurance with the walking and the into the running. So well done. If the, people are thinking, oh, fitness mama might be good for me, I'm not sure though. Can you just say a, a quickly how you found fitness mama was most beneficial for you? Yeah, so for me, I'm really busy. Even at the start of the year, I actually went back to work full time as well as running the business, as well as looking after a toddler and, you know, life admin and family. So what I really loved about fitness is that it is really convenient. You can pick as long as you want. So you can do um, a fast like like a, a shorter um, training session, or you can do the standard as well. So uh, there's lots of variety. You can go online. You can join the sessions as well live. So it it kind of caters for everyone. So if you're time poor, you can pick when you want to do it. If you can't attend the live sessions, and then if you do do the live sessions and you really enjoyed that specific one, you can go back and redo it again. And that's what I really loved about it. Um, and particularly, you know, while we were in lockdown, I was, we were put in lockdown two weeks after giving birth to Charlotte. So that gave me something to do while in lockdown too. So, um, yeah, that was really very convenient. What I also love about it was that, it gave me a really nice, like I love a good program to work with and you tend to give like a very good like start to finish of a really decent program postpartum and also pregnancy. You know, if you're scared to start training or start to working out again, yes, you can go in for walks but doing everything else like you know, maintaining your arm strength and your squats and your pelvic floor and integrating it all together. That's what I really liked too. Like, you know, it's low impact. Um, it's safe. You can like, you know, you've got the benefit of yourself to, to contact if you've got questions. It's super convenient. 
Oh, thanks for those words, Karina. I think you've been our first VBAC story. So thank you for telling us your amazing story and your journey. To finish off with, do you have any final words for words of wisdom for pregnant mums listening? I think just don't sweat the small stuff. You know, it's okay to be scared, to like have no idea of the unknown because as someone that also went through birth now twice, like if we do have a third, I'm going to be as scared as the first and second times going to going through labour, but it's only within 24 hours and then you've got a baby at the end. And I guess everyone is, you know, keen to give opinions, but do whatever's right for you. So, you know, if you're not someone that goes for daily walks and things like that, and don't, you know, don't force yourself. Do whatever you feel is right for you. Yeah, beautiful. Well, thank you, Karina, so much for joining me today. It's been an honour to be able to chat. For those listening, go and check out Karina's beautiful breastfeeding wear. Where can we find you, Karina? Oh, you can find me at the Milk Society. That's M-Y-L-K uh, dot com dot A-U. And I do have a fitness discount for you guys too. Oh, I didn't know this. Just write fitness, F-I-T-N-E-S-T. You can get 15% off everything. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Well, thank you, Karina. Bit of surprise there for all you listeners. <laughs> That's great. Lovely to chat. Karina, we'll chat to you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Kath. Have a good day. You too. And before I sign off, remember my team and I will be putting together the show notes for this episode with all the links, including how to connect with Karina and check out her lovely breastfeeding wear, including her generous discount code that she provided at fitnessmama.com forward slash podcast. Have a fabulous day, everyone, and I look forward to you joining me next week for another episode of the Fitness Mama podcast. Thanks for listening to the Fitness Mama podcast brought to you by the Fitness Mama freebies found at www.fitnessmama.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media and tag me at Fitness Mama so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember, an active pregnancy, confident childbirth and strong postnatal recovery is something that you deserve. Remember our disclaimer, materials and contents in this podcast are intended as general information only and shouldn't substitute any medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. I'll see you soon.